Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Well, we are... We have reached, I should say, the penultimate episode now of Kenobi. I can't believe we're, we've been waiting for this for so long, this amazing series we're all getting to enjoy, and it's almost over already. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit sad. Are you okay? You're like shattering it up over there. Everything I was. is I, just about sorry. to be spoken. <laughs> I think I, why do you have to call me out like that? <laughs> I was having a little mini aneurysm for a second. I'm sorry. Steve, didn't we go over I, this in I the need, pre-show? I need, to know what, I need to know whether I need to call 911. That's what I need to know. Oh, are we All recording right, so, this, by the way? Is this being yes, recorded right so, now? <laughs> so welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. That's your host, Steve Baldwin. I'm Dave Potter, along with Greg Lent and Nico Rodriguez. And we're talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And the only big lie we're talking about on this show is anybody on the internet who says that Obi-Wan Kenobi is a bad TV show because that, my friends, is flat out wrong. And we're going to tell you why tonight. Is anyone exactly. is anyone saying Call that? Call me a fucking liar, Dave. Is anyone saying that Obi-Wan is a bad show? Uh, yes, I, I, I think there's a, a very loud section of Star Wars fandom. And again, you know what? It just makes me realize that Star Wars mm. fans are the worst fans in all of fandom. They mm. really are. Mm. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's not a lie. We are. What were we talking about? Being surrounded by assholes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Well, 100%. I think we're in some agreement on this show that uh, Kenobi is not a bad show, and we no, we are here to review uh, part four and five of Kenobi uh, with the Wretched Hive podcast. As Dave so artfully described, who is on the show tonight? Thank you, Dave. We're missing Scott tonight. Scott is uh, Scott! indisposed, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to join us for the ultimate episode. The finale. What the fuck are you doing? Next week. Yeah, or in he's in the weeks. detention area on the still under construction Death Star, and we hope to have him broken out by by next week. But it'll depend Bo- on it'll depend on if the old man can turn off the tractor beam or not. Let me tell you though, I am severely disappointed, not because we didn't record last week, because there's a damn good reason because of it. One of our members of the Rusty Hive mm. had like an all rush tour of Toronto. Mm. Saw everything Rush related. I don't think they did a single activity for an entire week in Toronto that was not Rush related. And I was just, I had the biggest disappointment that the tour did not end meeting either Getty Lee or Alex Lifeson. That would have been the perfect ending to that whole thing is for just a picture of, of, of that this certain Hive member sitting with either one of the of the uh, two remaining holy triumvirate that is Rush. That would have been the only thing that I, I could have done more than <laughs> it would have been to actually jam with one of those guys. Yeah. Well, thank you for calling that out. Yeah. It was, a, it was a great trip. I uh, went to Lakeside Park. Lakeside Park. I actually went there, took a, <laughs> took a picture right next to the sign. That was this so cool. Rush, man. Rush, the Paula Abdul song, right? I just want to No, make that's, sure. that's something different, Dave. Okay. Yeah. That's, okay. That, that's something different. 
uh, yeah, had a great time. Thanks. And uh, yeah, uh, at uh, Baldwin is here at Instagram. You can see all the pictures for yourself. There you go. A beautiful city. It looks like a beautiful city again um, and recognized many an album cover in many of your photos. Yeah. Well, did I show you? Okay. There's I got a surprise for you then since you oh. since you brought it up. I there's gotta, one I did not see. I got to stand up on my desk for this one. Hold on. There we, we go. Wow. Steve's finally table dancing for us. <laughs> He's got a rush tattoo. <laughs> that, of course, is the classic image from 2112. Although, why is it not in red? Excuse me? Yeah. Why, is, why is it in black? Right. It should be in red. It was red when he was getting it. It was It was 20 yeah. extra bucks. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do the red. No, I had to get the had to get the I, it capped off the the whole week. I had a rush week and got the rush tat, man. Excellent. It's a little hard that... getting it on my left testicle like that. Sorry to break those out. <laughs> Is that your first tattoo? Audio audio, tattoo? audio podcast. No, uh, no, I have another one on my a very small one on my shoulder here. It was okay. right testicle. You didn't see it there, Greg. It's <laughs> it's it's Scott's face right here on my left left shoulder. Uh, uh, guys, let's get into part four of uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Great television series that we're all enjoying so much, and uh, we're going to try and break this down for you. We might not go in as much detail as we normally do because um, Steve hasn't two, prepped as have- much. We have that's two right. episodes. We got we're recapping too. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, so let's let's just dive in here. This uh, episode aired June eighth, twenty twenty two, when I was in I was in Canada, you and were. that's why we did not record last week. So apologize I, for the. Day. I I am going to I'm going to cut in here. Mm, go real quick, and I'm going to I'm going to help you out, Steve, since you have not really thought out as much of the show. So what we have is we have a a band of rebels. Sneaking into a large imperial space station mm-hmm. to rescue a princess, they get in by disguising as the Im- imperials themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The team then splits with one half of the team in a control room with a communicator, while the other half goes to the detention area to find said princess. At which point they all travel back, reconnect, escape while losing one member of their band, <laughs> but are tracked by the Imperials as they are leaving. Mm. That sounds really familiar. I'm Does it? It sounds familiar. I, I thought it was really original. Have mm. you guys seen that really old movie called A New Hope? Mm. <laughs> Tony, how old bit. is this kid? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I, but that... it does. It does give more depth to the line in A New Hope, where Vader's like, "I'm taking," where someone says, "I'm taking an awful chance," and Vader's like, "Yeah, you don't know the half of it, pal. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen this movie before, and, and you don't know. You do not know. You do not know at all." Uh, I, I really simplified it. There was a lot of good stuff about it, but I, I, I think this it was an enjoyable episode. But it really was. It really did to me feel like a throwaway episode. It, it it was a throwaway episode, and I don't I don't know. I mean, there are a couple things that jumped out at me, and the one thing that I do want to talk about, and it's totally out of sequence though, is the really bizarre crypt that Obi Wan finds. Oh, with all the yeah. dead Jedi in there, all oh, the preserved yeah. dead Jedi. 
And that one of them was, was the kid, one of the kids from episode one yeah. where, you know. Yeah. It turns out somebody <laughs> was right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure one of them was the Jedi that helped Ahsoka Tano in Clone Wars at one point when oh, she was wow. when she was falsely accused. That I would not know because I uh, again have not watched any of Clone Wars except for like the last handful of episodes, which is which is fine. It you looked did, you very familiar. Miss a lot. Very by, familiar by to me. that choice. Yeah, it looked very familiar to me though, Dave. I'm with you on that for sure. But that was that was a creepy moment. And it didn't really have much of a purpose except to be creepy. But I'm kind of wondering if it's uh, if it's not one of these things that they're kind of seeding throughout Star Wars properties to to set up poten- a potential story later. Mm. And if it has anything to do with the Emperor's designs on cloning, just even early on, he's saving Jedi material to see what can be done with it. Or is it more like a trophy vault? Is it like, look that, what I've done? That's the other option too. Is that it did make me think because I I can't remember who I was having the conversation with about the lightsabers lining up for Obi-Wan Kenobi because the homeboy went through a couple lightsabers in the prequel trilogy before he got to episode 4. Yeah. And it, it occurred to me, what did Vader do with his mentor's lightsaber after it dropped onto the cloak in, in episode 4? Is there a trophy room somewhere that that thing got got hooked up on? Well, in the inquisitor ship there, um, it's very hard to see, and it was point. I got I, like I didn't notice it while I was watching the show. I noticed it in one of the recap videos afterwards that I usually watch. Is there is a trophy room that they're in that has all of the lightsabers lined up there and mm-hmm. displayed? Um, and I'm assuming it's never really explained, but I'm assuming it came from all the Jedi that they've uh, taken down and captured. Yes, I yeah. There there were I think even some helmets up there too, if I recall correctly. Mm. But we, I'm sorry, we went totally out of sequence, no, Steve. That... We just we went full Scott and we jumped right in and just steamrolled over you. No, that's okay. I'm not sure if you you want to go through some of the the plot points on on episode. Well, that's four, okay. I mean, I four. I thought it was cool. You know, the episode starts with Kenobi um, in the Bacta tank. I thought that mm-hmm. was kind of interesting, and he's uh, you know he's we get some insight as he's healing his his flesh wounds. They're merely flesh wounds. But he's still he's still thinking a lot about Anakin, his battle with Anakin. There's a lot of flashbacks in his mind about his his battles with Anakin and his he's sort of tortured by the conversation that they had in episode three, which was so yeah. great, by the way. You know, I I uh I I'll I'll comment on that a little bit because that was really and it's and, and it's been a week since I've seen the episode, so I yeah. I'm, I'm, I apologize for my snarky recap of the episode because that's really what stuck out to me. But, but there, uh, there are, there were, like I say, there were good things about the episode, and that one of them, Steve, that you bring up there, uh, is it was a really interesting way they structured that because it's not just Obi Wan in the in the back to tank; it's Anakin in his back to tank also. Right, and it, it's it's this playing they did it previously with the with the breathing they would they would do Obi Wan's heavy breathing and then Anakin's mechanized breathing. And this one, they're going through, and they're doing the shot that goes down the arm of Obi Wan, and then it's the shot down the arm of Anakin that ends, you know, at a at a stump basically, and then it's Obi Wan's hand continuing it's, on, really parallel. It's, it's a shorter shot going down the Anakin arm. Much, much, not, much not, shorter. Not much arm there to go down. Exactly. <laughs> but it, but it, it parallels where they are and and how and how tied their journey is together. It's really. I, I hate to put this much depth into it, but it's the, the storytelling beats in there are so subtle, 
yet so meaningful. It's it really helps me connect with this story a lot. Mm-hmm. And it definitely shows the connection that exists between Obi Wan and Anakin, and it's a connection that we we didn't really see get explored in A New Hope. It's mm-hmm. a connection that feels very surfacey in the prequel trilogy. It, it honestly, the Clone Wars, and, and I make fun of the Clone Wars as much as the next person, but the Clone Wars TV show is what really gives that Obi-Wan-Anakin relationship a lot of depth and a lot of meaning above and beyond anything we've seen in the films. And this live action series is the first one that's really delved into and acknowledged the depth and level of that relationship. These are brothers in the sense that guys who shared a foxhole in world war two are brothers and they're connected by the Mm -hmm. force Mm -hmm. and they you know did nothing but train and learn and 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 adventure together for for since anakin was a little boy i mean it's very much a father-son you know mentor mentee relationship yeah we're brothers anakin Mm -hmm. right i mean they're literally brothers or i mean they, that's they what he thought his last words other. were right you were my brother you were the yeah. chosen mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. um we also have the uh the classic let's make a plan scene around the hologram map mm-hmm. which is there you yeah. know it, getting ready gotta virtually have that every... not a star wars adventure unless you have that particular sequence right they talk about the uh the speeders the T-47s, the speeders, and we learned that they're meant to haul sewage, <laughs> which I thought that was interesting. Uh, we also know, learned that they facts. can hover. Who, who knew that they could just hover right. there when, you want, when they wanted to? Yeah. It's, like, it's like Slave One flying literally upside down into a planet, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. whatever. And we also learned in episode, uh, part four, excuse me, I'm still saying episode, uh, the, the water fortress that is the Inquisitor's sort of base is actually the actual name of that is Fortress Inquisitoris. And I think that was named prior to. I think that got named out of out of Rebels. I don't think they made that up that name for the show. Which which think... kind of reminded me of what's the name of the the element that they're trying to find in <laughs> Unobtainium. Un- un- unobtainium? Yes, it kind of reminded me of Unobtainium. It's like really it's called Fortress Inquisitorius. So, okay. But but there was a moment there. Yeah. In the it it's in the hallway sequence where the glass is breaking mm. and Obi Wan is holding it back with the force. Yeah, strong. And I felt like that was a visual call out actually to the sequence in Rebels. If you watch Rebels, where Kanan is holding the explosion back at the fuel refinery, he's holding the the fire element back so that everybody else can escape, and then he sacrifices himself. But I I will bet you money if you look at those two shots side by side. Obi-Wan is mimicking the pose that Kanan had in that episode of Rebels. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's a good call. Craig, I think, I think you watched Rebels. Do you think I'm crazy or <clears throat> I did? I did. I don't, I don't, I, I remember Kanan dying, but I don't remember spoiler alert, but I, I, I don't remember specifically the scene you're, you're talking about or getting into there. So, all right. I, I, yeah. I happened to have just watched Rebels like a couple of months ago. So it's still okay. fresh in my head, but I just, I, I was, I was struck by that, and I thought if they did, it's a really interesting choice because you have Kanan holding back a fire element with that pose, and then you have Obi-Wan holding back a water element with that same yeah. pose. Yeah, yeah, didn't, for sure. Didn't seem like it would be a stretch to me of something they would consciously try to do. <laughs> Is it a stretch Absolutely. to uh, to bridge to Baby Yoda holding back the fire in uh, Mandalorian? Is there anything like that? 
I don't remember the rebel scene, but certainly the the scene with uh, Baby Yoda or Grogu holding back the fire. I I don't recall that exact scene. The the mm. posing of Grogu is a little harder to do because he's a oh, you're an alien being or at least okay. a puppet. Gotcha. Okay, you're talking about the pose that's taken by the Jedi. Yeah, the physical, than, like he's doing this. It just it seemed very similar to me, very evocative. All right. Now Nico has a masked Grogu up here, which is a little. Of course he's masked. Are you kidding me? We're in 2022. If you're not wearing your mask, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> All right. He's too uh... young for the vaccine, so. <laughs> not for long. But uh... but I will also close out by saying the last homage I think in that episode, I. Mm. Uh, is the best live action, you know, move of capturing the spirit of what the Clone Wars animated show was about, which was where they had Leia hiding under Obi-Wan's trench coat as they walk through the Imperial <laughs> base. That is that idea is so right out of an episode of the animated Clone Wars. I, I actually almost forgave that they did it in this episode. So I was like, oh, you, you cheeky buggers, you're just... You're tying it all together right now. That's it what was you're doing. it was almost literally Obi Wan riding on Leia's shoulders and just having Leia's feet walking. Right. He even had the little like poke through the coat. Yeah, hide right. back in. All, all that was missing was how are we going to get out of here with Leia? Well, we'll just I, all we can do is have her walk under the coat. Well, that makes no sense whatsoever. And then you just have the like the Richard Dreyfus moment from Jaws. You got a better idea. <laughs> No, there is no better idea. There, there, apparently, there was no better idea. That was that was it. It, um, it, it. What I read, that scene in particular, took a lot of heat. But you know what? As they're walking around the base, the the the, I'm sure that the the stormtroopers are, are just nothing but yelled at because they can't hit a goddamn thing. So why are you paying attention to anything? Why aren't you just walking <laughs> to get your goddamn job? It's it's a shitty place to work. Come on, the work, the work environment completely blows there. People are always yelling at you. You're just, get your head down, just going from place to place. I would B- completely Bader miss it. does not use progressive discipline. He goes right to termination of an employee. <laughs> and I mean literal termination of an employee. Exactly. I do love the scene where... Um... Uh, in the beginning when, uh, not Reva, but um, Tala. Tala is, you know, sort of in her Imperial garb and she's talking her way onto the base and she just dresses down the, the chief of of security for the floor. He's like, oh, I'm the chief security for the floor. And she just, you know, dresses him down and... and yeah, clearly not meant in. to be there at all. And she's like, fuck you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she knows how, she knows the, the uh, Imperial hierarchy... Uh, exactly. It's more important than anything. And they only care about rank, and she's just like, ah, shut up. Exactly. <laughs> Why am I wasting my breath on you? Something, you know, she walks in, she just walks in. Uh, all right. Any anything else about episode four that stands, part four that stood out for you guys? Mm, oh, we get to welcome in a new cast member, um, O'Shea Jackson Jr., who is. Mm. Little Ice Cube. I don't know if you guys knew that. That's that's Ice Cube's son. Oh, oh. Huh. He was in. That uh, is on uh, Jabim. The on the yeah, planet. On, he's on one Jabim, of the rebels. Yeah, sort of, or not a rebel, but I guess he's a. What is he like a? He's a. Uh, he he's a he's a he's a rebel pilot. I yeah, guess you okay. would call him. He's okay. he's kind of like a guy that gets you from point A to point B. Um, I just I just remember seeing him in the Straight Outta Compton movie and wondering. 
How the fuck did they get somebody who looks so much like Ice Cube to play Ice Cube? <laughs> Turns wow. out it's his son. Gotcha. Next best thing. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. That was episode four. <laughs> Part four. Part four. Part fuck. Four. Now Steve has me doing fuck. it too. Yes. All right. Part Let's five. Let's play Steve for everything. By the way, both uh, part four, part five, uh, directed uh, still by uh, Deborah Chow. Uh, I think she's doing all six. I don't think she's uh, handing the reins over to anybody. I think so. By the way, uh, Dodger pitcher Tyler Anderson at the current, at this current moment, I'm probably going to blow it for him now. He's got a no hitter through eight innings. Oh, oh that's that's what's going on. I that's see right. now. I'm, I'm that's why what's happening. Screwed up. So when this gets distracted. played, when when this episode drops, I want everybody to understand. Steve mm-hmm. talked about a no hitter during a no hitter, and that's why it didn't happen. Uh, exactly. I'm not on the bench. It's fine. <laughs> I'm in the booth, sort of. How dare you? All right, part five. Uh, part five. Part yep. five. So. I stand by my by my non-spoiler review in our chat thread, which mm-hmm. was, "Oh my fucking god!" Yeah. Turns out Vader's got some. Uh, he's pretty powerful. Pretty powerful uh, dark force user that Vader, and it's on display in this episode. Well, parkour, parkour. That's all I could think about. Yeah, for a well, guy who can stop a spaceship with the Force, he sure gets stymied by some blast doors in Episode Four on a regular basis. <laughs> all right, so gamers, isn't isn't there a scene in in one of the old uh, Star Wars games where he takes down a star destroyer? Oh, I Vader know. pulls down that's, a star destroyer. Is it? Or that's is, the Force unleashed, and that is. Oh, um, that's not Vader. Yeah, that's Star Killer who does that. Yeah, you're right. Shoot. Well, when Vader does that in this episode, I thought I've seen that somewhere before. Yeah, but that yeah, it's not a it's not a new feat uh, for the Force or for a dark side wielder. Mm-hmm. So for me, this episode was a step up from last week. Um, uh, I thought it was really good. What I liked, it was an it's an old storytelling trick, but I liked the way they pulled it off here in 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 using the battle that Anakin and Obi Wan are going through, the training battle that they're going through, and having that tell the story of the episode and everything that happens mm-hmm. in that battle plays through to what's happening in in the current time. I was going to call it today, but we all know this is a long time ago. Right. And the and the two stories parallel each other, and I I really enjoyed that because it really invests again. The the character building in this has been leaps beyond anything they've done on any of these Star Wars shows yet. I'm going to include The Mandalorian. I still think Mandalorian's a better show, but they're doing such a better job of character development in these things like that. So to get you involved in the battle that's going to come, and we know there's not going to be a winner in this battle that's going to come next episode because they're both are still around in episode four, ten yeah. years later in A New it, Hope. But we're, They are covered in impenetrable plot armor. Exactly. Yes. But I'm still like like completely jazzed for what's going to happen next week. And it's because they're spending the time and building this relationship. I just, I applaud Deborah Chow so much with what she's yeah. done. This show. Uh, yeah. I, 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 the ending, and we'll talk about the ending when you get to it, the ending, the character's not in real jeopardy characters covered in, in right. gold plated plot armor. But I had mm-hmm. this moment of, Oh shit, what's going to happen? What's yeah, going to happen to that character? Exactly. Exactly. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, Lisa and I watched it, and and Sam, we all watched it together. And Lisa's like, "Oh my gosh, what's gonna?" You know, I'm like, "You know, he survives, right? We know what yeah. happens." To <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. It, kinda, literally, kinda, one of the main characters of episode four, but it's okay. <laughs> kind of ruined fine. the moment for actually. Well, let's call out the writing then. Um, uh, Joby Harold and Hannah Freeman Friedman, and for uh, part I want to have their babies. And Joby Harold and Andrew Stanton uh, for it, part five. We've got to acknowledge their work. It's good stuff. It, and let me just echo what you said, Greg, that it's a it's an old and basic storytelling technique. It, it mm-hmm. really is. But I feel like that's almost the core summation of Star Wars. What you said, mm-hmm. it's very old and basic storytelling techniques that are just very, very well done and mm-hmm. very well executed. And mm-hmm. they pulled it off here. I mean, never mind that it was fun to see Obi-Wan and Anakin in a, a pre if I'm guessing the timeline correctly, I think it was pre episode two attack of the clones training sequence it was just fun to see those characters again it was fun to see hayden christensen speak as anakin skywalker and that they wrote it and designed it so that like you said it's like watching a chess move with narration like you watch a chess game and you see them play it all out and it ends with a force lesson and again a Mm -hmm. great force lesson so many of these moments in star wars have that like yoda and empire strikes back master i don't believe it oh that's why you fail Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. that stayed that stayed with me for the last forty two years, and it's spot on. This exactly. thing was another one because you look for the victory. That's why you will never succeed. Yeah, and you know, and it does not look like that either Hayden Christensen or uh, Uma McGregor have lost a step in their lightsaber skills. They still take it as seriously as two non sword fighting actors ever took anything, <laughs> and I love them for that because yeah. it their fights actually their fights are very like. Super spinning. There's lots of completely unnecessary spins, but they all they, they look great and they work so well together um, in their choreography. Um, unlike something somebody else, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> parkour, parkour. <laughs> all right. So the episode starts out with uh, Vader promoting Riva to Grand Inquisitor. She gets the big promo in the beginning of this episode. She's been looking for worst that, job so. ever. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> Lots You're of turnover. You're in command now, Admiral Diaz. Right. <laughs> the one thing you don't want to be is promoted in in the uh, imperial ranks. Um, they they use the tracking mechanism that she placed to get her promotion to uh, to track Kenobi and Clan, and the Empire arrives at this to to siege the facility on Jabim. Uh, and they they uh, proceed to take out the big guns, and uh, they uh, they try they deactivate the door, so there's no escaping no escaping this time. So this is something that uh, I saw uh, an old high school classmate of mine take issue with online. I just want to pause to acknowledge and and shoot him down since he's not here to defend himself in true wretched high fashion. <laughs> I'm yes. sure he'll appreciate that. Yeah, whatever. Like he fucking listens to this. <laughs> But he, his point is it's, it, that he thought it was poor writing because he said that's literally all Vader can do is dispatch like 20 stormtroopers and a big gun down to the planet to take him out. He's got a Star Destroyer up there. Why doesn't he do something with all that? He's like, mm. major plot hole. And my reaction mm. is, no, that's not a major plot hole. This is incredibly personal. Yeah, it's not Anakin what he... Vader. He's not. It... He could blow him up from orbit, but he's not going to because it's personal and he needs to do it himself in person 
he could have cracked his neck the first time he saw him and his choice was to drag him through fire. He has right. no interest in blowing up a planet and, and seeing Obi-Wan obliterated. He wants to do it with his own robotic hands. Yes, and make him feel pain and suffering on something close to a level that he has been feeling every day for the last 10 years since mm -hmm. Obi-Wan lit him up and physically shortened him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So Obi-Wan stalls for Perpetu time. Perpetually has the high ground now. Hey, his, his ego's just getting to him. He's trying to take him down a notch. Yeah, I, I, but I'm just saying, it, that's not a plot hole to me, what happened there. I mean, yes, it's convenient for television and storytelling, but it's completely justified because this is personal for Vader, and he's going to do it himself. He's not mm -hmm. going to do it from a distance. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, to to defend uh, the other side of that point, there is... Too often in Star Wars TV, I think, we're getting an underpowered, misrepresented, you know, kind of image of the strength of the Empire. Uh, in the episode where, um, you know, Obi-Wan and the third sister are, you know, uh, when, when Obi-Wan uh, recovers Leia, right? And you see one of the Inquisitors walking through the streets menacingly with four guys behind him. Or, uh, you know, it, often it seems that, you know, there's just not enough stormtroopers to make it seem like they're, you know, really a, a threat. Mm. So I, I see that because I, that's the that's my thoughts when I see these kind of scenes. Um, that being said, in this most recent scene, there there was a good amount of stormtroopers there. You know, the CGI wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, I I agree. I'm I'm gonna agree with you there, Nico. The CGI was good. The 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 lightsaber slash siege blaster siege that ensues was was good good action um lots of fast editing and fast cuts that that i thought was a little bit distracting but you know this oh. whole episode felt fan made to me with a really a awesome special effects department behind it mm. I would like to say that uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is obviously no uh, William Wallace because he gave the absolute worst inspirational speech at the beginning when he's trying to ra <laughs> rally these guys to defend themselves. He's like, we're all going to die. <laughs> but if we all fight together, we'll die together. Okay, wait. Which was – okay, here's a here's a, a Star Wars – impromptu Star Wars choices. Which was less inspirational, his speech or my opening to the show? Oh, I'm gonna say oh. his, I'm gonna say his speech. That's what I'm going with. This his yes. speech. Yes. All right. <laughs> I was I was prepared back. to die alone after listening to that speech. <laughs> but but now Everyone. as we went through that, <laughs> but as we went through that 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 sequence, that's where we get the the plot twist revelation about Grand Inquisitor Reva. Correct. Yes. Exactly. Thank you it's, for bridging to the yeah. next major point here, and, and, Dave. And that's I want to give props to. Scott and anybody who predicted that it wasn't it was fuck you, Scott. I said it first. <laughs> I think Scott. Said, I think Scott beat you to saying it online. But you both had the same thought. So, but the the thing that I liked about that was that they took it in a direction that I didn't anticipate, and that it's not just that oh she was a Jedi survivor and she's been converted over. No, she's she's actually a good guy doing bad things. She she's has a long con. Yeah, she's playing a long con so that she can mm -hmm. get close to Vader and exterminate him. And that's why she knows 
Anakin Skywalker is Vader, which was my sticking point earlier on. Like, how, how does she know, like, the most closely held secret in the galaxy? Oh, it's be- it all ties together into this idea that she is biding her time to get close to Vader to assassinate him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I love that twist. And I love yeah. that you don't know, is Obi-Wan playing that for his own purpose or is he actually trying to help her? And I, and I get that we all realized that you know early on, and 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 some of us realized it right up from the very first episode that this person shall remain remain nameless here. But uh, I think the reveal was at the right time. Like it works in the story, you know, in, in that in that you know, Obi Wan obviously does not have all the same information that we have going into it. So I don't think he's stupid for not seeing it earlier. There's no way for him to see it earlier because he does, you know, we have we have so much more information than he than he does. And I think it was good for them. It was an obvious plot point, but I think it was drug out the right amount of time. Yeah, it was it was it was drug out the right way. I love the moment where uh, Obi-Wan gives himself up and he says, "No, I'm not I'm not giving myself to Vader. I'm bringing Vader to you." Mhm. Right, mm-hmm. which gets gets to the question I have throughout all this is he is he trying to help her? Or is he just playing a game for his own purpose? Like he he know he he has a feeling he knows that she's not going to be successful in this attempt. So he's just yeah. using her right. to get something that he wants. Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. Maybe he's just like, yeah, you know, maybe she'll be successful for herself. Hopefully, she is. But it's going to serve me too. <laughs> Although I don't know if Ben <laughs> is that way. I don't think he is. I'd I like would, to think he's not. I would say that he is at this point. He's, mm. You can see he's kind of given up on a lot of things, like even giving inspirational speeches. You know, he doesn't have a <laughs> lot of hope anymore. Um, mm. You might almost say that episode four, New Hope, is his new hope, too. For <laughs> but, and she, she even life. twists the knife on it, right? Like she says, you know, you were a oh, great yeah. Jedi master. Where were you? You, you were his master. Yeah, he, he oh, was yeah. your Padawan. What yeah. were you doing? Yeah, that Thanks. that was that was harsh. To, and and again, you gotta applaud um, Ewan's acting in that scene when he's just you know taking her abuse, and it's all <laughs> true. And he's just you know you just feel for the guy. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm gonna applaud her, Moses Ingram, on this yeah, on this episode too because she really put a lot into that as well. I mean, I I, I was really feeling for that girl and 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 really i'd like to see some some justice for that character as well you know and and i know that things look bleak towards the end here but i don't know that we're done yet stomach wounds are not as fatal as they appear to be yeah unless apparently, Qui- Qui- apparently qui-gon's the only person who dies from a, a lightsaber to the stomach in the star wars universe <laughs> I mean, she maybe, maybe that's why maybe that's why obi-wan can't talk to him maybe he's not actually dead <laughs> i mean she survived it once when she was like nine so you know why not do it again exactly exactly Oh, maybe she just got stabbed in the robot guts. Maybe that's all it is. <laughs> why? Why do they? Why are all the robot parts all guts in Star Wars? It's all like robots. Everybody's got a robot stomach in Star Wars. There's Fennec Shand. We got the Grand Inquisitor now. We got Reva. They've all got robot stomachs. She did have a glowy belt buckle. Maybe. Oh. I don't we're, know. we're we're glossing over we're not glossing over but we're we're missing talking about what I think was the best part of episode 5 which is which is coming up here right just chronologically as we go through it okay do you right? mean when so, when Leia crawls into the uh 
asks for the ladder and and Ben makes the guy go get it. Is that what you're talking about? No, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, all right. But Ben had a point. Like it's a it's a freaking princess and she's giving you an order. Like why are you not snapping to it, buddy? Like seriously. Understand the org chart and where you're at on it. Because on she's it. a child. <laughs> All right, Still so, a princess uh, of Alderaan. That's all I'm saying. She can buy and sell the like of you 20 times before she even gets out of bed in the morning. So I think if she uh, survives, and they're not on Alderaan. Yeah, I think what you're talking about, Dave, might be that. Uh, well, it's it's it was interesting to me. A uh, very convenient. At first, I thought, oh, this is convenient, but maybe it was. Uh, well, this is when um, Reva sends Obi Wan back into the inner chamber, and I'm like, wait, you have Kenobi. Why don't you just hold on to him yourself? You know, so you're like a Bond villain. Like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to leave now and let let the laser cut you in two while you escape. You know, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> Which remains still one of the better death traps that Bond was ever put in. I mean, yes, he got out That's of true. it, but that was still that, that was pretty solid. I can't fault the guy for turning his back on that. one. No, I want you to die, Mr. Bond. He expected he expected he expected him to die. So, to I mean, die. yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh and so later we find out that oh, maybe she did it on purpose to it, try yeah, and get Vader. Yeah, it does feel like a ruse to draw yes. Vader in and distract him. Yep. So that yeah. perhaps he would not be as aware of what was coming up behind him. Right. Yes. And the scene with Vader sort of angrily marching through the tunnels there was, to me, was very reminiscent of, uh, of course, Empire with him walking through uh, the, the snowy tunnels there on Hoth. And then mm-hmm. walking up to the doors that were, you know, uh, opening up. Uh, very, very similar shots we've seen in other and the other films in the early films. I love that. Why did stuff. he try to grab the Millennium Falcon at that point, or was he just like, "Yeah, that never works. I'm not doing that again." <laughs> <laughs> right. So the one ship takes off. Vader pulls it down, rips the doors off. Yeah, which which was an amazing move. I thought that's like, oh my god, I'm like, oh my god, this guy's pissed off right now. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. He's ripping doors off of spaceships. Turns out it was a decoy, and the other ship takes off. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I I had this moment where I was like, wow, I'm understanding why the Sith always say, "Let your anger flow through you." Now, (laughs) (laughs) dude, they pulled the Chewbacca defense on him. Is what they did. They pulled the Chewbacca defense. Uh, Is they they hit him with a with a uh, a decoy ship while the real ship got away. It's a great Rise of Skywalker and South Park pull all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't Hit them the, both I, together. Bam. I don't get the South Park reference, I got to admit. Uh, we, we, we will find the episode with Johnny Cochran and the Chewbacca defense for you. Yeah. It, it is, it, it is <laughs> those guys had a genius moment there with that. All right. I missed out on Chewbacca that. Chewbacca is a Wookiee, but he's on Endor <laughs> with the Ewoks. <laughs> Jesus, I don't. I'm not sure if I want to know. <laughs> Maybe I'll. Uh, all right. So, um, Reva sneaks up on Vader as he's allegedly distracted by the ship, and he's upset. He's ups- He's upset that his uh, that Kenobi got away. Reva tries to sneak up on him, but there's no way you're sneaking up on Vader. Sorry, Reva. She also yelled right before she did it too. So, I mean, just just stab the dude. But she knows she's got to go. <laughs> but the, but the, the Vader line, did you think I didn't see you, little yeah. sister? Yeah. Killing. The cool, the cool thing I thought about this was his use of the force to block the blows instead of his lightsaber. I'm like, right. oh, that's badass. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It, and it's like it's one of, it's another one of those things that we've never really seen before. So I thought oh, it was le- really. 
very legit power move just to show like elevated like oh no i am here and you are here i I literally am not even taking off my coat to fight you yeah Yeah. speaking of it was really cool to see what's become a classic vader move but we've never seen it actually in you know film sequence before is the vader lightsaber throw yeah Mm. yeah because it's in like every game where you can play as light uh, as as Darth Vader as he throws his lightsaber in a twirly helicopter blade across the screen. Uh, but it's cool to actually see him do it now. I think he did that move in Empire Strikes Back against Luke too, though, didn't he? I think he did. <sighs> did he? Now, like the boomerang I'm, blade where he throws it and then it, no, it, it, it did back? it did it did not come back to him. No, he just threw it and it knocked it it, it cut it a smoky hose. Yeah, it cut right. a smoky hose. There was a bunch of smoke in the air after right. he after he did it. Yeah, no, but I'm pretty the, sure that happened. The boomerang lightsaber. It did not come like back a though. Classic Vader move. I'm, yeah, I'm it's sure it's in every game. In every game. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he did that in Empire Strikes Back, and then somebody like a year later was like, "Wouldn't it have been cool if the blade had come back to him?" And everybody went, "Oh my god, Damn how did it. we not think of that?" We're gonna put that in every game <laughs> yes. from now on, and they have, and they. Have. Uh, we get the return of the of the double sided lightsaber, a la Darth Maul, mm-hmm. and I really wish they would have had Ray Park give this girl a little bit of training on how to uh, how to use that because it was the slowest spinning double bladed lightsaber I've ever seen in my entire life. But now, well, but now it it's was not being spin- yeah. Go ahead. It Nick. was being slowed down by Vader. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Every step he was taking, he was slowing it down. So it no, wasn't n- not not when she turns on like frisbee mode on the on the lightsaber the part where she's twirling it like like darth maul twirls his his blade there oh okay okay but isn't it was, that it like was a very slow well, motion yeah no okay. she was breakdance fighting uh, yeah I this is this is they're bringing it back this is... I, I think anakin was trying to show her that spinning is not really that cool of a move at the end of the day so is that a, a spin that she's actually doing or does that lightsaber just like you hold it steady and it spins around your hand both uh it, it was okay. both in this episode it was okay. both like when she's first fighting with it um she's spinning it like darth maul but then like there's it's a circle like a frisbee yeah. um and they introduce these things in rebels again yeah. and the and the blades will spin like it like right. it's like an airplane propeller is what they spin like so yeah yeah they 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 fly with it like it's a helicopter in rebels a couple of times yeah 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 mm-hmm. so but yeah he that that is such a dominant performance and he dual wields at one point in, in very Ahsoka like fashion. <laughs> well, yeah. first, first he busts her her double bladed lightsaber in two and tosses one back to her so she can fight as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so pimp, dude. <laughs> and then he just turns around and takes it right back, though. She's like, nope. That was that was a second kind of Ahsoka reference that I saw in this episode. There was another bit where the ship was in hyperspace and he was standing on the bridge looking out the window. That. I guarantee mm. that is a shot from Clone Wars at one point where Ahsoka's on the bridge of, of a ship in hyperspace looking out the window, pondering what they're flying towards. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and I don't know, I, I don't really recall if they ever showed the Star Destroyer from a long shot, but was it was it the Executor or was it just any other random Imperial Star Destroyer bridge? Because it looked like the Executor bridge um, to me, to my inexperienced eyes anyway. I think it was a random star destroyer because okay. the, the Exeter is the the super star destroyer, as I yeah, recall. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. I think this was just a, a standard run of the mill 
you know, but I, I suspect it's like Air Force One. It's like whatever plane, whatever Star Destroyer he's yeah. on is the Exeter. They got a they got a million of them parked over at Exegol, so we just had to stop by and the, <laughs> yeah. the local Enterprise Enter Enterprise Death Star rental. And... They've only got like seven hundred twenty thousand at that point. <laughs> not quite a few. Now I've always said Executor. Oh, it's Executor. Picky. It's Executor. We're gonna need a judge's ruling on this one. All right. Where is Scott when you need yeah, him? Yeah. No Scott? shit. All right. We'll have to save that one for next episode. We can ask Scott at the very end of this episode. We got to get to the end because there's a key plot point here at the end. It'll probably come back to rue its head here, uh, as as the the path network of of uh, detainees escapes with the uh, with the second ship. Reva mm-hmm. finds Bail Organa's message on Kenobi's uh, dropped little holographic transmitter that he has. Mm-hmm. And reveals Luke's location or the location of a boy on Tatooine. Yeah, she so yeah, she gets out of there. Boy, Tatooine, and Owen are pretty much the key words that she gets out of there. Right. So I guess there's only one Owen on Tatooine that you gotta worry about. And she's always well, she's already met, she's an met Owen. Him. Yeah. Oh, she did. She, she asked his Owen. name even. Yeah. That's right. Good yeah. callback. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember so- that guy. So here, here's an interesting mm-hmm. thing for you, Greg. You you may be correct because there are two Vader flagships that have been identified in Star Wars canon. Uh, the first is the Devastator, which is a traditional Star Destroyer class. That is actually the Star Destroyer that intercepted the Tantive IV in Episode okay. IV, A New Hope. All right. Uh, the one that you and I were thinking of, though, is the tr- as the well-known Vader flagship is the Executor, the Super Star Destroyer that we mm-hmm. see in Empire and Return of the Jedi. The big blue one. Yes. Now, question, so, executor, now, ex- executor, is it O-R at the end or E-R at the end? It's O-R. I would say that's ex- executor as opposed to executor. I think you might be right. I got my emphasis on the wrong syllable. You mm. sure did. It's another plagius moment we might have here. Well, we're, what we, kind of idiot would say something like we, that? We can't be sure until until Scott, until we, until the the real judge of all Star Wars pronunciation is, is on the show. True. True. You know he'll know. You know he'll he know. He will know. Exactly. If he doesn't know, he'll pretend to know, and then that'll <laughs> Fair and then that'll be <laughs> but, that'll be canon. But to, I derailed us from the last plot point, which was somehow she survives getting a lightsaber through the gut, which yeah. kills nobody except Qui Gon Jinn. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, we uh, we also skipped over another major plot point is the old Grand Inquisitor comes back and just oh. basically says, ha ha, to all the nerds that are out oh, there who wow. were pissed off that he died in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> it was all part of our plan, and we did get away with it in spite of these crazy kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, it was I, Scooby-Doo, but I don't care. I'm enjoying this thing so much. I, I am I am forgiving abs- that one for its oddness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, robot guts, man. You don't need real guts. Who needs real guts when you got robot guts? You know, when Shana asks me any question that is uh, Star Wars related, you know, in the how or why or what mm. the fuck, my answer is midichlorians. Midichlorians. Space, space magic. It's space just space magic. magic. Mm-hmm. Space magic. That's fair. Yeah, space magic. Yeah. yeah, I'm down. Well, there's no way that they were going to let Rupert. What is his name? Rupert Friend. He's a pretty Rupert Friend. Friend. He's That's a pretty him. big name, dude. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. you know 
they weren't well, going to let him go. He's also alive after. after this story. Like he should have, he should be yes. protected by plot armor. So That's it's right. a there you go. Just take problem. Yeah, it's a problem that he gets stabbed in the gut. But yes. she finds the the message from Bail Organa. I know we weren't going to talk, but let me talk and reveal a lot of important <laughs> things on this hollow chip that right. we don't want to fall into enemy hands, even though you're behind enemy lines. I, I, I do want to go back, though, and I want to time exactly how long it's been since we mentioned the no-hitter, because it was 15 minutes ago, according to Twitter, that that no-hitter got broken up. So. <laughs> yeah, like, and immediately. I think that's yeah, pretty much I, as soon I, as Steve said something. Immediately. Like 38, 38 so, seconds later, Shohei Otani tripled <laughs> for the Angels. Wow. Shohei's up there batting and go, thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Steve! And lost the shutout too. It's now four to one. By the way, uh, well, game's over now, so it's game's. Oh, it's right. it's, it's it's done for. This this Angels, is this Angels is, one five four. <laughs> this this is Tyler Anderson right now. This is him. Damn it, Steve! When I find you, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> just, just sitting at his at his locker, just shaking his head. <laughs> Fucking wretched hive! I hate those guys. All right. Well, um. Do we are we done with this uh, with these two? It seems like we we well, are kind well, of coming. We, what, we what talked we about at the beginning, so we'll yep. we'll close with it at the end. Right. It ends with Riva finding evidence that suggests there is someone on Tatooine named Luke mm-hmm. who is very important mm-hmm. to Obi Wan and Darth Vader and Bail mm-hmm. Organa, mm-hmm. and it closes with a menacing shot of a sleeping Luke Skywalker. Oh yes, in the dirt, in the sand on Tatooine. How in the hell are they going to get Anakin Skywalker to go back to Tatooine? Mm. Guys, he hates sand. Hates it. You own I, a I towel. Think the I, think, I think this is going to be Obi-Wan and, and Reva on, on Tatooine. No, you think we get no Vader appearances at all in the last episode? I think we get Vader, oh. but I don't think he's on Tatooine. Okay, fair enough. Hmm. Fair enough. I am surprised, not disappointed, I am surprised that the show that we thought was going to be all about Obi-Wan looking over Luke, that Luke has appeared in the very beginning and will appear at the very end and is basically non-existent for the rest of the show. I am, I am, I, I am surprised by that. I'm not disappointed. I'm just surprised. I, I am surprised, too. And oddly enough, I was listening to a Chuck Todd po- uh, podcast today. Oh. Chuck Todd is the host of Meet the Press on NBC. And he is, as it turns out, a giant Star Wars fan. Oh, all and right. at I the end that. of this heavy political podcast, he starts talking about Star Wars and Obi-Wan Kenobi with one of his guests. And he says that he has read, he has seen reporting, that the original storyline was that it was going to be a Luke rescue story. Luke is the yeah. one who's kidnapped and Obi-Wan is chasing. Oh. And it was actually Disney Studio that gave a note that said that feels a little too on the nose. We want to give Leia a little screen time. Can you do it so that Leia is the one that he has to go and, and rescue? And if that reporting is correct, that was actually a genius note from the studio. Yeah, yeah. For sure. There, there has Most been, so. and this episode, the Just Aired, episode five, yeah. I think is the first one that starts with a warning. And there's been a lot of child torture and child murder in this episode in this whole series i think um leia's been tortured a couple times and kidnapped um kind of kind of crazy crazy stuff they retroactively added one on to episode one a couple days after it dropped oh they did that was that was right after the school shooting in texas 
And yeah. they, they got a lot of, they got a, not a lot, but they got a fair amount of criticism. Like, why are you, why are you putting this up without any type of a trigger warning for anybody? Yeah. And Disney said, yeah, that's fair. We'll do that. Hmm. I mean, it's Star Wars. We all realize that, but I mean, yeah, it, it's torturing kids. <laughs> I mean, like literally torturing kids. When I saw that warning, I turned to Lisa and I said, Ooh, I think we're going to see some awesome Vader violence in this episode. <laughs> I thought maybe, it, it, maybe, maybe they're just taking the gloves off, you know, with the neck breaking in, in episode or oh, in part it, three. It, oh yeah. Let's have, they can't really that. take the gloves off. Cause he doesn't have any hands at that point. That's a, just not yeah, that's that a, threatening that's a, of a, a, a being. really good point actually. Yeah. But I, 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 I will close my monologue on all this by saying okay. that I feel that Vader is one of the most terrifying villains to write because he is so evil and destructive. I think as a writer, you tend to freeze up. Like, how do I, how do I get to the place? How do I do a good Vader? And hmm. this staff has done a fantastic job with keeping Darth as frightening as he needs to be to be the effective boogeyman. They are not making yep. a cartoon at all. Yeah, I had a friend bring this up to me, um, and 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 it actually it's a it's a theory that comes from her husband, who's who subscribes to the theory that Darth Vader should never be shown outside of the costume. He's evil incarnate, and if and that that costume should be the only thing you see of him. And I'm like, that's an interesting take because every time you show Anakin, he's in the back to tank. He's human. He's vulnerable. He's scarred. It it creates sympathy for the character. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's misplaced here. Um, there's a reason why he's driven to vengeance because he is hurting. He is a man in pain, mentally as well as physically, all the time. Um, but interesting, you know. I just thought it was an interesting take that you know that their disappointment came from the fact that you should never see Vader out of the costume because he is that much of a badass. But there's a guy underneath the costume, and it's David Prowse. It will always be David Prowse. That is an interesting take, but I, I would counter with what we see of him out of the costume in this series explains the anger and the venom that he has and the reason mm -hmm. that he's going after Kenobi so hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's and that that paints a more, uh, I think, a more colorful picture of, of Vader's persona and what he's yeah. going through. Yeah. Again, it's it's the the development of these characters that I just yep. credit the writers with so much for for really bringing me into the story and gives giving me so much uh, so much joy this past six weeks. You know what I just thought of too, just to end this episode really quick. Um, General Grievous, no robot guts. None. That's yeah. all he had was regular guts. Real guts. And that's what killed him. Yeah. That's, that's what that's what killed him. That's right. It's true. With a blaster Whoa. from Obi Wan, by the way, so uncivilized. How uncivilized. Obi Wan, Obi -Wan is a badass. Yeah, except Ratings? you know, other Rating? than the fact that he blew the whole, you know, he let the Jedi down and screwed the whole Jedi. He blew over. the whole Jedi Temple. Is that what was, you were gonna say? Uh, like a like a circus seal. Um, all right, <laughs> Death Stars. Death Stars. How many Death Stars are we giving this one? Out of five Death Stars, five being. The best thing you've ever seen on television. Zero being worse than Star Wars The Clone Wars animated show, which we know is the worst thing that's ever been produced on television. Scientifically proven. Scientifically proven yep. on this show a couple of years ago. Uh, Greg, I'm going to start with you. 
We're going to go around the horn here on my uh, screen. Ep- episode four, I got to rate a three. Just wasn't, it was okay. It was passable. It was enjoyable. It just wasn't that good. Right. Um, I can't go five on episode five, but I will go 4.9. How about that? Really? All right. Yeah. Really right. liked it. Really liked it. Nico, uh, episode four and then five. How many Death Stars? Episode four and five uh, are going to get passing grades for me. Okay. Um, I can't think of anything witty. I didn't know we were going to do a number of things. So, uh, we've never we done only this do before. Them every week. We I do know. Them, we only uh, do them every week. That's it's all. been a couple weeks. Math yeah, Nico rates, Nico rates episode four, uh, eggplant, and episode five, uh, apricot. Fair Fine. enough. That's yeah. As long as it's not pineapple. Do not rate it pineapple. <laughs> Greg knows what a pineapple is for me. Um, oh, I, yeah, I'll, no, I they, they were okay, I'll tell you offline. But they were not bad. Pineapple. All right. Okay. Dave? Uh, I'll, I'll agree with Greg. I think episode four was a, a three, three and a half, somewhere in there. And, episode, and part five, excuse me, probably 4.5, but there were sections of that episode that were off the chart good. That were like a six or a seven on a scale of one to five. I'm with you. Very close. Um, I'm in alignment with, uh, I think, Greg and Dave and pretty pretty much Nico, I think, if I'm reading the uh, apricot rating there. I'm going to go 4.5 for <laughs> episode five, and then I'm going to go 3.5, 3.75 for episode four. All right, guys. 3.75. Wow. That's o- fair. Only one episode left of Kenobi. I know. So and sad. I'm so glad you are choosing to listen to us review in our ridiculous way. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. And until then, may the force be with us all. Damn it, Steve. When I find you, I'll kill you. I think that's one of my favorites, actually. That's a good one. Yeah. The, the, the <laughs> anger and vitriol in the voice is just spot on. That and, and this, of course. God fucking damn it, yeah. Dave. Meanwhile, I I, I, re- could find. I retort with. Sounds great, Greg. Yeah. <laughs>